0: We have good, good, good days ahead, Uh, and I I, I just want to even start with that. There are good days ahead for us. No matter what might be happening outside of the walls of this church, we have good days ahead. Uh, As Lindsay said, we started the beginning of last year with a vision for you in five years and and asking um, some big questions. Questions about where the Lord was leading us. Uh, And then, of course, that was in January. We did that series. And then by March, the world had blown up, right? And so uh, we find ourselves back at the beginning of a new year, and we thought it would just be really appropriate to go, not you in five years, one year down, but you in four years, and just beginning to to kind of continue this journey of asking this question, where are we headed? Because... Uh, There's this leadership saying, and it goes something like this, most of us overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what we can do in the long term. We overestimate what we can do in the short term. But we underestimate what could take place over a, a, a good amount of time, and so we, you know we can all think to all the New Year's resolutions, right, where we hope for quick results. Everybody's looking for something to happen fast, and so we tend to overestimate what we think we can accomplish, right? Whether it's weight loss or financial fixes or relational mending or whatever it is, we want results fast. I mean, I, our entire culture, the world that we're living in is all based on something getting done fast, quick, faster internet, faster banking, faster profits, faster approvals, faster communications, whatever it is, we want it to happen. Like when you know this, right? Because when you click on a web page and it doesn't load immediately, what are you doing? You're like, what's wrong? You're like, you're tearing stuff up and redoing your web router. And you're like, why isn't this thing loading? We, we want quick and fast. In fact, I, um, one of the things that we got to do, our family, uh, over the break is hey, listen, we like some of the classics. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a fan of Jane Austen, okay? I'm, I said it, all right? And before you make me turn in my man card, I love Braveheart and Gladiator, but just sometimes, every once in a while, a good old fashioned character study is, is worth it, right, guys? Okay, all right? Sorry, Rich. I'm, pastoring some Neanderthals. Okay. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we want to do a character study. <laughs> so we chose, uh, over the break to watch the, the, the older mini series of Pride and Prejudice. And, uh, it's great, right? And it's this great, it's this great story. And you get to find out that this guy that you think is not a great, guy, Mr. Darcy, who you think is a no good. He's actually really great. Sorry to spoil that for you dudes. So, but here's the thing at the climax of the movie, there is uh, the, there is this scandal that's taking place with the family. And, the whole thing is a mess because the communications take forever. Like, if you think back to so this this time in the, whatever, the 1800s where it's like, they can't get the communication fast enough and the sister misses a letter from her other sister and and it's days and days and weeks and weeks where this scandal's unfolding. And you think like, if that were... 2021, and the scandal takes place, right? TMZ, or people, is on that overnight. It's being tweeted about. The communication's going out. This is the culture and society that we actually live in. Things move at this rapid pace, and we start to get caught up in it. And if we're not careful, the lens by which we view everything is that if I don't sense that something's happening right now, then I'm going to forge my way ahead or try to manipulate something or try to make something happen or I'll just quit altogether. But this is the culture that we live in. All we've been trying to do is speed things up. But this is the moment right now where we begin the year with an opportunity to pause, to not speed things up, but to push the pause button and go, Lord, what is your timing and what is your word? In fact, you won't find in the Bible anywhere, where the Lord is saying, you should be more impatient. You won't find one directive in all the scripture where the Lord is saying, you need to be impatient. Now, here's what he'll say. You need to be expectant. The scripture will call all of us to expectancy, to hopefulness, to looking ahead. But never, ever is the encouragement with your expectancy be impatient. No, what will you see? What does the scripture say over and over and over? What does it say? Wait for the Lord. Those rich words that we all love to hear, especially when we want something to happen really fast, right? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait upon him. Wait upon his way, wait upon his timing, wait upon his plans. And I don't know if you guys have ever figured this out, but his plans often don't coincide with my plans. His timing, for whatever reason, is very different than the timing that I might choose. And so there's this directive that we have from the scripture all the time, wait upon the Lord. And what we tend to do is we overestimate all the things that we want to happen really quickly. But what we don't do is think about what God is doing in the long run. What is God doing in the long run? That's our question this morning. And it's so important for a year like we just had in 2020 when it's very possible you felt like things kind of went backwards almost. As you're looking forward and you have great expectancy for the days ahead, when you go through a year like 2020, you feel like maybe things went backward. Here's the good news. I want everyone to hear You guys that are joining us online, I want everyone to hear this. God did not go backwards in 2020. Jesus did not go backward. His Holy Spirit did not go backwards. He was advancing with authority and wisdom and clarity and power in 2020. Jesus was moving and he is moving right now. And we are no longer hitching our wagon to 2020 or 2021 church. We're hitching our wagon to the son of God who is moving forward. Therefore, we can have great expectancy for the days ahead. But we've got to begin to reorient our lives around who he is and what he's doing. If 2020 was a shaking, which I think you called it Cats and the Pigeons, yeah. that's a good, I like that phrase. I want to adopt it. Cats and the Pigeons, mate. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. I don't. Is that? I'm sorry. Forgive me. I sound more like a pirate. Okay. So it's not good. Sorry about that. Let's recenter here. Focus. All right. If 2020 was cats and the pigeons, which is a great picture. If 2020 was chaos, if it was a shaking, this way the scripture would call it is shaking everything that can be shaken. If that's what 2020 was, then understand this 2021 is now an alignment with what God is doing. There was an hour for things to be shaken. This is the moment to say, okay, the Lord's deconstructed all the things we often put our hope in, and now is the moment to align our hearts and our minds with what God is doing. It's this opportunity to come back to the Lord and say, God, what are you doing big? What are you doing big? What are you a part of? Where are you leading? Not just in the short run, but for the long haul. Where are you leading us out? That's the question that we want to begin to ask and to align ourselves with what he is doing. We do not know what 2021 holds for us. We don't know the particulars of that, but we know who we are hitching our wagon to. This is the most critical hour is to say, God, what are you doing? I want to go be a part of it. I want my eyes open and my ears inclined to what you're accomplishing. And If that's the case, then here's what I want to do. I want to give us three simple questions to begin to ask, and then we'll have an opportunity just to begin to connect with God on this. We'll finish this morning. But I wanna give three core questions that every one of us need to be asking for the days ahead. If you wanna hit your wagon to what God is doing in 2021 and not be tossed by the waves of whatever else happens in this year, and we want to say, God, I'm not here for the short term. I'm with you for the long haul. Then, we, then, I, then I think there's some core questions we got to begin to ask. And I want to give these to you, and then we'll, we'll close out. Number one, what are the dreams, God, you are putting in my heart? Now, I want to, I want to encourage you in this question. I, I would have to, I'd, I'd be lying if I told you I asked this question often. And I think we need to, we need to bring this before the Lord way more often. Lord, what are the dreams you're putting in my heart? To begin to ask God, what are, what are you saying? And what are you doing? And what do you want to set down inside of me? Where are you going? Dream big. Now, uh, one of my favorite stories, descriptions throughout the scripture is, this, is the book of or the story of the account of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has this thing that stirs in him, so the, that, that Israel has been scattered, they have begun to come back, they've been overtaken by Babylon, Babylon gets taken over, and there's this gradual progression to come back to Israel. They were taken away, exiled out, and there's a, a, a returning, uh, and there's a couple of returns, and then on this third wave of the exiles returning, Nehemiah is a nobody, he's a cupbearer. For the king, well, he's he's got a high position as a cupbearer, which is essentially to say, like you taste all the food to make sure that it's not poison, so that if you kill over and die, at least the king doesn't. That was his job. Um, and he's 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 there, and he hears the account of those that had been coming back to Jerusalem, and they say, "Listen to us. The walls have been destroyed. The gates are down, uh, overtaken by fire, and he's undone." And he's sad. He sees that essentially what's in front of him is chaotic. His people are not doing well. And so he's trying to figure out what to do in this moment. And what he does is he just sets before him a, a moment of prayer and fasting, which I think is so important, just as Lindsay mentioned this to you, that starting on this coming Sunday, we're starting a 21-day window of prayer and fasting. But Nehemiah has this moment and he comes before the Lord in prayer and fasting. He's undone. He, he's broken and sad about the fact that Jerusalem is in tatters. And then there's this powerful description in a couple of different places in Nehemiah chapter 2 and Nehemiah chapter 7. Here's what it says I went to go do what the Lord put in my heart to do. This is literally what he says. That I went to go do what the Lord put in my heart. You can write that down. What the Lord put in my heart. Now, it's important that you hear this. Nehemiah was not a prophet. Nehemiah was not a priest. He was just a faithful servant. But the Lord put something in his heart. There was no, hear this, no great angelic visitation. No angel of the Lord wrestling with him. No prophet coming around the corner saying, I've heard the word of the Lord. It says, what the Lord put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is sent out by the Lord to go do it, to begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to begin to Pull the people, all the people, they were in tatters and they all had factions and there was all kinds of, and let me tell you, it was a crazy journey that he had to go through, but he begins to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to rebuild the gates. He has this thing God put in his heart to do. The question is church, what is God putting in your heart to do? I want to ask that question of you individually And what we're gonna unpack even over the next days is what is God putting in our heart to do even as a church family? What is God putting in your heart to do? Paul says something incredibly similar to Nehemiah um, as he's essentially planting the church across the earth. And listen, Paul prays this incredible, audacious, huge prayer in Ephesians chapter four, and he's gonna pray it over the entire church. I want you to hear this prayer. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 14, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Wow. What a prayer. Massive prayer. Now, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, it's, you've certainly heard this text before. But do you realize how insane this prayer is in this moment? How big and how crazy. When we think of the church right now, we think of the hundreds of churches that are just here in Williamson County ourselves. And we think about all the brothers and sisters all over the earth right now asking God to do this incredible prayer. I want you to hear the audacity of this prayer when there is no church and no scripture to lean upon. He's literally writing the scripture. It's happening in that hour. And he's passing it out. He says, here's my prayer for the church. That they'd be so undone by the love of God. That they would know it is insurmountable, that nothing could overcome the love of God, that it would anchor them and that they would be filled up to the full measure of God. What an audacious prayer for a place where the church doesn't even exist. He's saying, God, I know this. The church isn't going to go unless you come and meet with them. The church isn't going to move forward unless you undo them with your radical love. And he's praying this audacious prayer, and he knows it's audacious, and he knows the church has no chance of surviving unless God does this. And I want you to see the very next phrase, the very next sentence that he prays over this church. Here's what he says, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's the prayer. You want to hear this? God, you're going to have to do more than I could even ask or think. I need you to go above and beyond. What could I begin to believe you for that's outside of myself? More than what I could imagine so far beyond any of my own expectations. This is the life that I want to live. And I want you to hear this. Church, this is the life that we were meant to live the one that's asking God to do far more abundantly beyond anything we could even think or imagine. That's the life that we are meant to be living. In fact, if that's not the life that you wanna live, what's the point of being here? I just, just being honest. What's the point of joining us online? If you don't wanna ask this question, God immeasurably, immeasurably more than what I could think or imagine I'm asking you to do. If you can't anchor yourself in asking that question, what's the point of doing what we're doing? Because listen, it's a, it, it, this is a, the most chaotic and weird season that I think I could say any of us have ever lived in our lives. These are not the days for meaningless repetition. I want to say it again. These are not the days for meaningless repetition. These are the days for advancing in immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. That's what these days are for. If we aren't moving forward, if we aren't advancing, what are we doing? What are we asking God to do? What are we asking him to put in our heart to do? These are the days for God to break in, for us to ask for us to be in partnership. If you want bigger and bolder and greater and better, then it's time to get before the Lord and say, God, I need you to throw off the things that keep me held back. What, what are the, just let's get it, let's get real. What are the things that hold us back? Shame, guilt, condemnation, failure, sin, missing the mark. Those are all the things that, that sit on us, that hold us back from stepping into what God wants to do. This is every person for all time throughout the church. And the good news is that Christ has fully and perfectly overcome all shame, all guilt, all condemnation, all missing the mark, all failures. He bore it all on the cross so that you and I could wake up on a Sunday morning saying, God, where are you taking me today? How can I partner with you? What are you doing in this year? We want to be a part of something bigger beyond ourselves. And it takes you to do it. If the life that we're living can only be done in our own limitations and own capacities, church will shrivel up and die. And we know that because we've all had days where we wanted to rely on ourselves and it never works out. I had lots of days where I've relied on my own ability, my own capacities, my own charisma or whatever. Church, that's an empty life. It's empty. It's empty from a ministry standpoint. It's empty. There's something bigger that we're meant to be a part of. So let's rise up and just begin to ask God. What do you want to do over the next four years? We had five years, five years ago. We have four years now. We're asking God, what do you want to do? What are the dreams you want to put in my heart? Just like Nehemiah, just like Paul, where we're just having to say, God, what we just prayed, you're going to have to do abundantly more than what we could even imagine. You have things that God wants. There are things that he wants to do. He's just looking for people that are willing to ask the question. So let's not settle for a year that is not, that isn't marked with us asking, God for big. And to take the moment like Nehemiah and write it down and say, Lord, in fact, one of our favorite traditions that we do as a family, we got to do it this year, is just take the opportunity to say, Lord, what are you doing? We just want to like incline our ear. What, what's your word over 2021? Just start writing it down. What do you want to do in our hearts? Where do you want to lead, lead us? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? To ask that question with your families, with your spouses, with your children, and ask God to do it. Second question we're gonna ask this is okay, Lord, whatever it is you're putting in our hearts, hearts, here's the question, next question. Lord, what's what's the first step? What's just step number one? This is just a, a real practical question because the, the dreams of God are almost never accomplished overnight. They're 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 unfolded in days by believing him when we don't see anything else happening, right? You guys have heard the annoying phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Probably your mom said that to you when you were waiting on cookies to finish in the oven, right? And your mom said, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You gotta wait and you have to be patient and the Lord's gracious to ask to speak that over us, right? Because part of every journey in God, hear this, part of every journey in God are moments where we are called, to believe, even when we don't see. Where there's something big, but it doesn't feel like anything's changing or transforming, right? We've all had those moments where we're just supposed to take a small step of obedience. We all know, many of us will know the story of where the people of God, Israel, were given a promised land that God literally said, this is anchored, it's guaranteed, I'll deliver it to you. Every, that I, I will promise this land to you. But was it overnight? The answer is no. It wasn't overnight. In fact, Joshua is handed the reins after Moses passes on. And Joshua's going, okay, I got to lead this this group. We're looking at the promised land. All right, what's what's step one? And he goes, I know what step one is. Let's send some spies to see how bad this thing is, right? He's going, he's remembering. I don't remember what Moses did when we first were looking at the promised land. He sends the 12 guys out. And 10 come back and they look at the promised land and they go, no way. You gotta see the people over there. They're giants, they're evil. In fact, if you actually do a historical study of the people that were in the promised land before the Israel came there, vile and evil people, vile. And they're looking at everything that's going on and 10 guys come back and say, there's no chance. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, they come back and they go, oh, this thing is awesome. We gotta do this. And 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 Moses goes, Yeah, we're, we're we're doing it. But the Lord has to preserve a time so that they're they're not ready. So Joshua, the one who came, he 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 remembers, he sent God sent me out. So what am I gonna do? Step number one, we're gonna send a couple, but he, you know what, you know what? Joshua does. He doesn't send 12 out. He just sends two. He's like, I remember what happened when you send out 12. It's not good. We're just sending two guys. So we send the two guys out, and they go out, and they look at the land, and they're almost caught if they weren't preserved and saved by Rahab. They, she hides them. And they narrowly escape, and they come back. I mean, it's, the place is teeming with, with evil civilizations. And they come back, and they go, oh, man. This thing is amazing what God wants to do. But there's giants in the land. There's stuff that we're going to have to overcome. There, are, there may be mountains upon mountains upon mountains in front of what you believe God is birthing in your heart, what he's planting inside of you. But listen to this, church. God wants to raise this thing up. He wants to raise us up to take that first step just to say, what's step one? What's step one? Lord, what would you have us do? Where where are you leading us? And the final question is this. We'll finish with this. In fact, our, our team can come up. Here's the last question. Who can I tell? And that's where the body of Christ comes together because it is imperative that you understand that whatever God's birthing in you, you will not be doing alone. That you were meant to have a group of people to come around you, to encourage you, to walk with you, to lift you up, to spur you on, to challenge you. That's what the Lord wants to do. That at some point in time, a community of believers have got to come around you to be a partner with you for what the Lord's doing in you. That's the point of us even coming together. We don't want to just come together on Sundays to do songs and sermons, We're here to surround, to come with each other, to link arms together and say, how can we accomplish the great things? We're going to unpack, starting next week, what that's even going to look like for our family. Lord, what are you making this family to be? Who can come around? Who do you want me to share this vision with so that we can begin praying with each other? We're meant to be a praying church where we come together and we cover each other and we spur each other on and we're for each other. Next week, we're doing the series, Time to Build. God's building something in you. He's building something in his church. I want you to come and be a part of it. I want you to invite somebody that doesn't have a church family to say, what is God building in you? We're going we're to start with 21 days of prayer, 21 days of fasting, just to say, Lord, what are you going to birth in our family? What are you going to birth in this church? What are you going to birth in our homes? What do you want to plant in this city to reach and touch people for your namesake and glory? And in concert with that, we're going to do this uh, this new uh, River U called Five Cups of Discipleship. There are five realms of influence that God wants to begin to move in in deeper ways. We wanna unpack that for you. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to disciple others? We're gonna unpack that uh, in the days ahead. God has big things for us. And I wanna say this, God has big things for you. Stuff that's beyond what you can imagine, but we're gonna begin to ask him. You guys stand with me.